Because what we would move on to next in Mark in chapter 14, verse 12, was said, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so that you may eat it? The Passover was something that every single year, all of God's people at that time, in Christ's time, they would return to Jerusalem for. So thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people would pour back into there. And, and that's why the city at this point, where we're at in Mark, that's why they're trying to avoid any riots, trying to avoid these things, because it could be a powder keg with the Roman authority uh, ruling over the land, with all of the Jewish people coming in to celebrate their most holy um, festival because it was one that was ordained and commanded by God at the time of their release in Israel. And it was a time when they would come together and, and they would worship and they would feast and they would uh, see family members and loved ones that they had not seen for a long time. And so it is very much like our homecoming. But it's so much more. And, but it's so similar in how what we are bound together by, what brings us together, what we're to focus on is, is yet the same. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. But as we do that, let us open up in prayer. Father God, thank you for the, the voices that were raised in worship to you today. God, thank you that we can laugh and that we can honor one another. God, thank you that we have the freedom to do all of this. God, that we were blessed by you um, through the, uh, the means you have given us through our health, that we could be here today and gather together for this purpose. God, to love one another, to love and worship you. And God, as we pour into your word, as we look at what your son has done, as we see your plan unfold in these passages, God, I just pray that you would make the message that is here clear to our hearts, God, that it would abide within us, that who your son is and how great your love is for us and how desperate our need is for you would just be made so clear and evident. And God, that we would be overwhelmed with it. God, something that we've known for 20, 30, 50 years or God, something that we need to come to know and understand right here and now, God, that you love us. And that you have worked a work on our behalf that we cannot do for ourselves. And you did that by shedding the blood of your only begotten son. And so, Father God, we thank you today. We worship you and we study your word with reverence. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you want to be with me for most of this morning, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. If you want to open up your Bibles there. So yes, they had gathered together in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, for the festival, for the festival of unleavened bread. See, the leaven was something that they would remove from their households, that they would not eat any bread that contained it, they would not do any of that, because leaven was a representation of sin. And so in coming to this time of worship, they would prepare themselves by separating themselves from the symbologies, this representation of sin. But the point of it was to recognize within themselves that there had become sin and that sacrifices were going to be made on their behalf. That was why they were going to the temple. And that's why, as we read in Mark a few months ago, Jesus was so upset at, 
that he went and he began flipping the tables because the system had been corrupted, the meaning had been corrupted, had been taken advantage of. They had built all these things on top of it with idolatry and with greed and money to where it was lost. And, and Christ had come to fulfill that role in itself. But this goes back to the time when the Jewish people, when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And many of you know the story of Moses coming and presenting Pharaoh with God's deal. Let my people go. It was an unconditional demand. And Pharaoh rebuked, and, and even at times when he seemed willing, God hardened his heart because the point that it was trying to be made was that it wasn't going to be upon the grace of Pharaoh that Israel was saved, but upon the mercy, the work, the wrath poured out by God was how they would be saved. And so before the 10th and final plague, the one that would come and would take the firstborn sons of all of Egypt, we see that Moses had to warn the Israelites as well that a sacrifice was necessary or else they would be consumed in this plague under God's wrath as well. Because even though they were God's people and he was doing all of these works, you know, all of these plagues, these miracles, this pouring out of his wrath, this evidence of his love for his people, even though they had been enslaved for so long, even though they had been impressed, they were still sinful. We see in like Ezekiel chapter 20 that they had been caught up in worshiping the gods of Egypt during their enslavement. And so even amongst this, they have become unfaithful. They have been sinful. And even though they're seeing all these things that God is doing on their behalf, they need to be redeemed as well. God's people were in need of redemption. And so we read this, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, chapter 12, verse one, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of your year. And so now your whole calendar is going to begin and revolve around this. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the, near na uh, the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what you will eat. Many of us, when we think about the Passover, we talk about the blood laid over the doorway on the post so that they would be redeemed. But part of this ritual, part of what this sacrifice that God was asking them to make was not just that they would spill the blood of this lamb, this animal, but that they would eat it as well. This was a, a covenant. This was a deal made out of flesh and blood. And so he says this, you must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male, meaning a male that is within its prime. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats, and you are to keep it until the 14th day of the month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. 
they must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the, uh, of the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it, roasted over a fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Bitter herbs, uh, similar to like horseradish, which we would have today. Unleavened, ble- unleavened bread, meaning untarnished, without the yeast in it, and with roasted over fire because God appreciates good cooking. And barbecue is a holy practice. That's not true, but that's what I'm reading into it. Because he says, do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire. Its head as well as its lead and its inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning, you must burn. And so this was to be a feast. You got the sauce, you got the bread, you got this abundance of meat. Not too much, you don't want any left. Portion it according to how many people were within the household. Bring in your neighbors if you got to. But you are to consume all of this animal. You are to take it in, and with its blood, you are to coat your household. Everything, the doorway into it. And so everything that is a part of your life, you and yourself ingesting all of this animal, this sacrifice that was made on your behalf, the blood smearing the entrance to all that you possess, all that you own here on this earth, you must do this. And he says, you must be dressed for travel while you eat it. This is how you must eat it. Verse 11, you must be dressed for travel your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. And so he builds into his people this sense of urgency and this sense of expecting the promise that he has made to them, which he did in Exodus chapter six, that he will free his people. And they've seen all the works that he has done to this point. And now he is coming forward being both a just God, but also a merciful one. Just in the sense that though they had been sinful, and though as we'll see even later on, after they have been freed, many of them were content in their enslavement in Egypt. And they were like, why'd you bring us out here? We had all the bread we could eat. We had all the meat we could eat when we were still in Egypt. So many of them had grown content in their enslavement. Many of them had grown pleased with worshiping and, and, and not being God's people anymore, but in sim- assimilating themselves into the culture of Egypt, into the worship of the false gods in Egypt. And so because of their idolatry, God's wrath was, yes, coming for their oppressors, their captors in order to free them but it was also coming for the people that he loved as well. And so it says in verse 13, or I'm sorry, verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt. They will be the sacrifice, the pouring out. They will take on all of God's wrath, both people and animals. I am the Lord And I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. Meaning he is coming to tear down everything that they have put their hope and their trust in. Because Egypt, a part of the idolatry at that time, was in the lineage of their people. In the dynasties, the empires that they had built. Because they existed for thousands of years. And he says this. I will execute judgments upon all the gods of Egypt 
The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. That will be the mark. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the, when I strike the land of Egypt. And he commands them in this way. This day is to be a memorial for you. And you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. And you must eat unleavened bread for seven days. And it goes on to describe all the needs there. This is the festival that went on for generations and generations up until the point in which Christ is now there in the city of Jerusalem preparing not just to observe the Passover like he has done every year for all of his life, but to bring to fruition everything that was shadowed here. Because as we read about in the New Testament, the Old Testament is a shadow of the things to come. Christ is the substance of them. And so as we read and even in the gospel of John at the beginning where he where the God, where sorry the apostle John as he's recording his eyewitness testimony eyewitness testimony for the gospel he recounts what John the Baptist said when he saw Christ coming towards him John the Baptist declared behold the lamb of god who has come to take away the sins of the world And then even at the end, uh, near the end of John, the apostle's life, as many of us have been studying on Wednesdays in Revelation, as John has been taken up and given this vision of the throne room of heaven, the one that he sees at first that is the lamb, I'm sorry, that is the lion of Judah, is the root of David. It is the conqueror, the one who has come, the one who is worthy to take the scroll. But before Jesus takes the scroll, the way in which John sees him and describes him for us and for our benefit, he says, then I looked and there was one like a lamb slaughtered. There was one like a lamb slaughtered. And then later on as it goes into the worship of Jesus after he has taken the scroll as all the creatures, all the representatives of God's people there, the 24 elders surrounding the throne, the Holy Spirit and all of the heavenly host that comes, the tens of thousands of thousands that join in and sing and worship. They name him Christ, the one who is the Lion of Judah, the one who is the Root of David, the one who has come and who has died and who has sacrificed on our behalf, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. They name him in worship as the Lamb because he is this Lamb that has passed over for us. And so we're going to read and and participate in in the next few weeks as we get into the Passover feast of the Last Supper, the things that Jesus taught in the last moments of his life, the example given, the ways in which we see his disciples from Judas to Peter and all the others interact and react to what is happening. What we must recognize is the covenant that was made then of flesh and blood being poured out on his people's behalf is the same covenant, though renewed and empowered, that we are under today. 
that when Christ took them up for the Last Supper and he said, take this bread and whenever you gather together, break it in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. That's the flesh. And that's the flesh that was both broken for us and that we are now to, just as they were challenged in that day by God, to eat all of, to take all of that in, all of that lamb that was murdered, that was sacrificed for them. Now for the Son of Man, for the Son of God that was murdered and sacrificed for us, we're to take in all of him into us. Because God is not a God that is either dead in a tomb somewhere. He is not one who has risen and left us here on this earth alone who will one day come back for us. But he is a God who is still here amongst us, living inside those that he has saved through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so that is the flesh that is to be inside of us. And the blood that has been spilled for us, Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. And just as it was a sacrifice necessary for God's wrath to pass over those in Israel, those in Egypt at that time, it is the same blood that is supposed to mark us, that allows the wrath of God to pass over us now. It's the same blood that has been poured out, and it's the same blood that encourages, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, He said, listen, Christ, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. The work has been done. There is no need for the spilling of blood anymore because all that was necessary has been spilt. And it has been done for me and it has been done for you and it has been done for any who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, what he encourages them as they've been dealing with sin amongst their body, as they've been dealing with people turning to sexual immorality, things that are not even tolerated among the Gentiles we see in chapter five. He says, listen, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus. Hand hand these things over to the destruction of the flesh so that that one's spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. He says, listen, your boasting is not good because apparently the Corinthians, even though they were dealing with all this sin, even though you read later on how they had been continuing to worship in the ways that the pagans did, getting drunk, doing these things, that was not what God intended. They had, they had brought in the things of this world into their worship of him. And that's what most of this book is about, is correcting that and this part of it too. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven, a little amount of sin, well, that leavens the whole batch of dough. A little amount of sin, it comes in and it corrupts all that it touches. He says this, clean out the old leaven. Clean it out, the old leaven, so that you may be a new unleavened batch. And he's not telling them to save themselves, not telling them like, if you just get rid of the sin out of your life, you're going to be, you know, made new. That's not how you save yourself. He's saying, listen, as indeed you are, meaning you are already a new unleavened batch. 
You have been made new by the blood that was spilled for you, been washed as white as snow. You have been reborn as Christ demanded, as he said that we must be again. You must be born again. You've been given new hearts and new minds and the Holy Spirit is living in you and working in you to make you more into the image of Christ. And so therefore, toss away these old things, this old sin. Be an unleavened batch because you are, you are that you are free from those things. For, because Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast. Let us take in everything that he has done for us. Let us eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Not with old leaven, not with sin still within us, or with the leaven of even malice or evil, not in hatred or in things, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and with truth. And so dealing with our sin, dealing with the sin and the people's lives around us as we hold one another accountable, because then he gets into the, the point of this, which is church discipline and, and holding one accountable, being there for one another and not allowing those who proclaim to be brothers and sisters in Christ to live on without being confronted in love. Again, not with malice and evil dealing with our sin or the sin that surrounds us, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so church, as we gather to observe a feast, as we, as we gather to worship our Savior, let us remember that we are to in, take in all that he is and all that he has for us. The flesh, the body that was broken on our behalf, the lamb that was slain for us, and not just that, to remember the mercy and the grace that he has had for us, that he has allowed his wrath to pass over us, that now because of what Christ has done, there is no condemnation for those who believe in him. And so my challenge, my, my call, what I'm asking for us to do is to be free from the old leaven, to live unhindered today from the sin that so easily ensnares us, from the sin that comes in and corrupts those around us and our relationships with those around us and which leads us further away from God and from his will. God has been so good and so gracious and so merciful and so patient with each and every one of you. And in the scripture, it does, he does not get disappointed. He knows our faults more than we do. He knows that we are sinful and that we need him. And so why run from a God who sees so clearly exactly who you are and who loves you regardless of that fact? He sent his son to die for you at your worst. And so now that you have been forgiven by him, Live a life pushing away the things that would once have killed you and pursuing the one who shed his blood and body for you. Terry, if you'll come up. Lita. It's because of our Passover lamb. It's because Christ was the lion and the lamb who was worthy to take and open up the scroll.
that we are together here today, that we have God's word, that we are bound together by his blood and by his love for us, that we are one now as the bride and body of Christ. And so as we eat today, remember our Savior, just as we have in the singing, just as we have in the preaching, just as we have in our prayers. Remember that your life and how you love and how you interact with one another is a part of your worship of God. Because as we covered in the past few months, God calls us to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, with all of our strength, and to also love our neighbors as ourselves. And so will you stand and will you worship with us one more time today?